Welcome to another episode of Love This Bitch with yours truly, Lisa, the Life Coach. So happy to be with you here today. I'm very excited about today's topic because it's very trendy and everybody is um, super into it right now, (laughs) and that is imposter syndrome. Yes, everybody loves it. It's actually been around since the 70s, um, but it's kind of a very trendy term right now. And essentially, um, imposter syndrome is a psychological pattern, thought pattern, in which people doubt their own skills or talents or accomplishments, and they have this consistent internalized fear that they're going to be exposed as a fraud. So really, the idea there is that the success that they've had is only due to luck, and it's not really because of their talent or qualifications. And what I find very interesting about this is that, you know, in that definition is that there are skills and talents and accomplishments, right? Even if there is the issue there that you're believing that it's really luck and it's not you, you have to have (laughs) certain talents and qualifications in place to even be in a position to have imposter syndrome, (laughs) You have to, you know, have reached this level where you're looking at the people around you and you're saying, oh, I, I'm not, I'm not at this level. Why am I here? Right. They're going to, they're going to figure me out here. (laughs) And so you are, you know, terrified that everyone's going to find out that you don't really have, you know, the talent or the skills, despite the fact that that's how you got there. (laughs) Right. You're thinking it's luck, I'm not really that good, and they're going to see it, and I'm just going to, everything's going to fall apart, and I'm going to lose my job, and it's going to be a nightmare. (laughs) So essentially what it is is that you struggle to internalize your own success. Um, It's very natural for us to internalize failure, as we've talked about the different judgments that we have and the thoughts that we have about failure. You know, when something is bad to us or we view it as as negative our mind you know it gets the signs from us that that this is danger that this is bad it should be avoided at all costs and you know if not we could die so anything that's bad anything that gives us that anxiety that fight flight or freeze response that's what our brain is going to work to internalize so you know if you achieve something like you finally get the promotion into the position you've always wanted, it's like for a few seconds, you're going to be like, oh my gosh, I can't believe it. I did it. And then the next thing you know, you're going to be like, wait, but what about this? What about that? What if they find out that I'm really not qualified and then I lose the position? So you're not internalizing the success. You're not really sticking with that, right? And building that into your brain. You're going straight to the okay, how could I die (laughs) scenario? Like, what is bad here? And, you know, how is this going to end horribly in in my demise? And let me focus on that so I can avoid it. And that's how our brain works. So for some people, that's more of a struggle. And that's something that is really hard for them to see the good is the good in themselves, both just their value as a human being. And then even when they're 
they have certain skills and talents and they're able to, you know, work hard and accomplish things that they, you know, set as goals, they still struggle to internalize that success and get any, you know, positive feeling going about it. And so here they are in this position that they've always wanted and they're not able to enjoy it. So it's very sad and it causes a lot of anxiety and unhappiness in people who to the world and to everyone around them look like they're happy, they've got it all, they're successful, they're doing all these things. And yet on the inside, they're just terrified <laughs> that it's all going to fall apart. And so it's, it's very difficult because they don't want to, you know, you don't want to ask for help because what will people think or will they find out that you're an imposter if you do? So it's a very difficult situation to be in because it's also very difficult to, you know, ask for help. So there are kind of these five types of imposter syndrome. This may be a little um, more than you've heard. You might have just been like, oh, I have imposter syndrome. So the five types are perfectionists, experts, natural genius, soloists, and supermen or superwomen. So I'll just tell you a little bit about the types. So you can see, you know, maybe if you don't realize that you have imposter syndrome or you didn't know, like, that it was this, you know, particular subcategory that you fall into. So our perfectionists, they believe everything has to be perfect, right? A hundred percent. So no matter what goals they've set out, if they succeed 99%, do 99% just the way they wanted it to go, they still see that as a failure, so that means they're a fraud. They didn't do it well enough because it has to be 100%. And so some signs that you have this, the perfectionist imposter syndrome is if you micromanage things, if you struggle to delegate, you know, and if you have that harsh inner critic where even the slightest, you know, mistake or error, you just, you know, rake yourself over the coals and really beat yourself up about it. So those are my perfectionists with the imposter syndrome. And then you also have experts, which is kind of a, I don't know, to me, it's like a misnomer, because those are the people with imposter syndrome that think that they have to know everything. Like they're just terrified that they're going to be asked a question that they don't know the answer to. So you can tell, you know, these people because they're always looking to learn things, which I love to do. I'm always wanting to learn things. But instead of just coming from a growth or knowledge standpoint, it's like, you know, I might be asked something that I don't know. I've got to have this certification. I've got to have this degree. I've got to have this area of specialization. And, you know, and they just keep going and it's never enough. They just have to keep doing more and more. And so they, you know, they're afraid that if they don't know the answer to a question, they'll be exposed as a fraud. So they, they often struggle to speak up right, in groups and be the leader that they want to be or that they know they can be because they're also extremely terrified of not knowing an answer or saying something and looking stupid. So some of the signs there um, that you have this expert imposter syndrome is that you're actually terrified of being called an expert <laughs> because you're immediately like, oh, no, 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 I don't know everything. I'm not an expert. Or just that, that fear that you you can never know enough. You can never learn enough and you're going to be exposed as a fraud because you don't have all the answers. So those are the experts. The natural genius 
are those of you who have, you know, these certain natural talents, right? And you have just naturally been good at certain skills, certain maybe subjects or just, you know, education, learning in general, or maybe even sports. It could be that. You kind of always have had some natural skill. So what happens is that when you face any kind of struggle or something takes effort and it doesn't just click immediately like you're used to, you think that means you're an imposter, that you're not actually good at it because you don't have just that natural skill for it. And, you know, that leads to running and fleeing or feeling like you're an imposter if, if anything takes any little bit of learning and struggle. And that can be very difficult because that's how you grow is the learning and the struggle. So some of the signs that you have that natural genius imposter syndrome is if you feel like you always have to get it right on the first go, you know, if you kind of were known maybe as the smart one in your family or in your school, you know, or, you know, school and things like that had, you know, little took little effort for you. You hate asking for help or guidance and you avoid challenges, right? Because that could, if something is challenging and you're not just naturally good at it, that could undermine, you know, your beliefs that, that you have these skills and you just, you'd rather just not do it. So that's the natural genius. And then we have the soloist. So those are those of you who feel like you're an imposter if you have to ask for help. And this is very common that, you know, and the signs are when you have those thoughts, like, I should be able to do this on my own. I see that a lot with my clients. They always think that whatever it is they're struggling with, there's someone out there who just does it all on their own and never had any help and just doesn't struggle and just gets it done perfectly, which is not true. But it's easy to think that that exists and that we should be able to do that. So if you have those thoughts, like, I should be able to do this on my own, or I don't need help, I don't need anybody, um, or I shouldn't need anybody, those are the soloists with imposter syndrome. You know, asking for help does not mean that you're an imposter. And then the last category is supermen or superwomen. And those are the imposters that think that, you know, in order to prove that they're not an, an imposter, they have to outwork everybody. They just have to constantly work harder than everyone else around them. They have to succeed in everything they do, right? Super, superwoman. I do everything. And, you know, you can tell that you're like this if you're not accomplishing something, if you're not moving towards some goal, and that stresses you out, <laughs> right? Like you can't stop for a minute because somebody might, you know, see that you've stopped and be like, oh, she's not really, you know, an expert or she doesn't really know everything and do everything. She's a fraud. <laughs> so other signs are, you know, you're always working longer hours than everyone else. Your hobbies or your personal life, they kind of fall by the wayside and you don't want to take any rest or any downtime. And you may be referred to by people or yourself as a workaholic. So those are kind of the different subcategories of imposter syndrome that, that people struggle with. So where does this come from? Well, just like any other, you know, thought patterns, negative thought patterns that we have, there's, there's really no single answer. You know, there is that programming in our mind for survival. You know, when we're in group settings and we're afraid that 
we're going to say something stupid or get rejected or not be accepted. You know, that comes from those fears of being kicked out of the tribe and dying or, you know, how we needed to bond with our parents as children in order to get them to take care of us because we couldn't do it ourselves. So we have that instinctual desire to avoid any kind of rejection or not belonging to the group. And then, you know, people who struggle more with anxiety can have imposter syndrome. Um, it can come from, from childhood. You know, if you felt that you weren't um, good enough for your parents, or maybe you had a sibling or a family member who you had thoughts that they were always outshining you or better than you, you know, that thought that you're just not good enough, it comes to us in many different ways throughout our lives, you know, our, our family, our teachers, you know, and, and not intentionally, but it can be picked up from, you know, just being told that we're not good at something or we're not as good as someone else. And it's essentially this thought that in order to be loved or lovable, that we need to achieve something. that We have to earn it in some way. It's just that belief that we're not lovable as we are and that we need to achieve and achieve and keep going in order to prove that. And that kind of, you know, is one of, like we've talked about before, one of the basic struggles, the basic thought um, patterns that we have not being good enough that affects so many aspects of our life. And this is, you know, one of the ways it can affect us. It can affect us in our career in this creating this imposter syndrome. And it's also something that people can struggle with when they're in situations where they don't fit in and they don't, they're not the same as those around them. So that creates more of anxiety around being exposed as an imposter. For example, like if a woman is in a field where she's mostly surrounded by men, right, then she might be afraid to, to speak up um, because for fear that she doesn't know something and that she will be, you know, exposed as an imposter because she's different from those around her. She doesn't fit in already just based on, you know, looking around like they're men, I'm women. What am I doing here? She already has those kind of things to struggle with. And that can affect, you know, someone in any minority group when they're in a field and they're surrounded by people who are already different from them. It makes them feel out of place and it can strengthen that fear that they're an imposter, which, you know, it creates that situation where they're afraid to speak up and they're afraid to share their thoughts and ideas, which can perpetuate the idea that the beliefs that they don't have any um, or that they don't know anything. So it's kind of a self-perpetuating cycle that's, that's very sad. So what can we do, right? What can we do about this? We all know it. It's trendy. We've got imposter syndrome. What do we do? Well, other than coaching... <laughs> which is actually one of the things that you can do. The first thing you can do to practice right now working on this is just mindfulness. Being aware of when you're having these thoughts that, you know, you're not good enough and you're an imposter. So you want to notice when that's happening because sometimes it's just automatic. We're just beating ourselves up and we're just accepting the fact that I'm not good enough to be here and someone's going to find out. So it's, it's important to just even start noticing when you're thinking that. And not to judge yourself, you know, like we've talked about before. You don't want to beat yourself up for beating yourself up. 
<laughs> you don't want to be like, oh, great, that's that imposter syndrome kicking in. Why do I always do that? What you want to do is relate kindly to yourself, right? And just realize, oh, okay, I'm, I'm feeling, you know, not my, my most confident right now. I'm struggling with this, and that's okay. And then switch that to, but what do I want to think in this situation? And before you can get there, maybe just ask yourself, are these thoughts helping me or hindering me? You know, thinking that I'm an imposter and that I don't have the skills, talents, or qualifications to be where I am, does that help me actually work harder or does it hinder me? Does it make me afraid to do the things that I need to do in order to keep growing, in order to feel you know, like I'm learning and I'm confident in who I am and how I got here, right? It's not helping you. So that's important to see, right? Notice when you're having those thoughts and then, you know, with compassion, ask yourself, are these thoughts helping me or are they hurting me? And then you can say, what would I like to think or believe about myself instead? And work on adopting thoughts that, that build your confidence and your belief in yourself, both just in your value as a human being and in the skills and talents and qualifications that you've learned in your life and how you can use those to benefit those around you, your team, your company, you know, whoever it might be, right? So you have your own value and then you have value that you can add to those around you. And what you need to do is work on thoughts, you know, do a thought ladder or thought steps that go from, you know, I'm not good enough, I shouldn't be here, to, you know, I have value to add to enhance the lives of those around me. And so that could be, you know, any number of things like I did good on X presentation last week. I shared this and a lot of people, you know, learned from that and it was a good presentation. Things like that. Just smaller steps to work on believing in yourself and building that confidence instead of tearing yourself down. And you can also, you know, reframe that and look at, look at it from the, the view of, you know, if I'm not sharing, if I'm not speaking up, what is my team missing out on, right? What am I missing out on? Because the more I speak up, the more I show what I know about this and I grow. And, you know, usually if we're in these higher achieving positions, we want to keep growing and learn more. So, you know, how... Is it hurting me and those around me on my team by me not sharing and, you know, standing up and sharing what I know? Is that holding everyone back? Is it holding not only me back, but them? Because it could be something that really changes, you know, how they think and how they view something. It could be very important information for them. Conversely, or, you know, opposite, you could be holding everybody back by not asking questions and asking for help. You know, there are you could have to take more time trying to learn it and figure it out on your own because you're afraid that you'll look stupid, right? You're slowing everybody down, trying to figure it out and not show it. Or maybe someone else is struggling with it. Maybe someone else in the group needs to know as well, right? And there's someone there that knows, someone on the team, you know? And if you speak out and ask, how much more quickly could you and other people get those answers, right? So when you're able to give your information and ask without these fears, everyone grows and benefits, right? It's better for you. It's better for the team. It's better for your career. And it's just a better working group for everyone. And everyone succeeds. 
So you can work on, you know, reframing that instead of thinking, you know, people are going to judge me. I'm going to sound stupid and realizing that this is helpful. My information, my questions, these are helpful to me and to other people. So mindfulness is the thought helping or hurting, asking yourself what you want to think instead, reframing the thoughts about how it's negative, you know, or how you're an imposter if you speak out or if you ask questions. And then, of course, you can also work with a coach, a mentor, or a trusted friend, you know, someone that you can talk to when you're struggling with these thoughts, and they can help you see the things that you're missing, right? The blocks in your mind where you can't see your own good qualities or your own success and how you contributed to it. So a little more on like tips that you can use right now to work on this. One thing that you can do, and it's very important, is to learn to celebrate your success. Like I talked about earlier, if you think that you failed or that something went wrong, you're really going to sit with that. You're going to feel it. You're going to feel tense in your muscles, tightness in your chest, panic, anxiety. Like it's going to be a full body experience that you're going to sit with, you know, maybe even for days or weeks, ruminating over it and how to avoid it in the future. So if your brain and your body is all connected like that with your perception of failure, that's what it's going to remember. That's going to be its go-to. What you need to work on is to program your brain to see the good. And you can do that by celebrating your success, right? If you spoke up at a meeting, if it went well, if, you know, like, you know, a meeting went well that you led, you taught something, you were in a position of leadership, you did a training, you did a live for your business, you know, on social, whatever you did, when you're evaluating it, don't always focus on what went wrong or what you'd like to do better next time. That's good. That's feedback. And it's absolutely important to evaluate and tweak things. But also take the time to note and write down what went right. What can you celebrate? What was a success in the presentation, in the training, in the day? You know, write down your successes each day, no matter how small you think they are. There's no big success without a bunch of little successes along the way. You know, what did you do really well? What do you normally do really well when you give presentations or when you lead or when you speak up, you know, and allow yourself to really feel and connect with your success, to sit with it and to feel it in your body the same way that you would anything that you thought that was negative that happened, right? Instead of feeling the tense muscles and the anxiety, you know, feel that excitement and, you know, remember when you did something And it just felt really good. It felt right. And it was very successful. And you're like, yes, so happy that that went that way. Like really sit with that. Feel it all in your body. Feel, you know, that excitement in your chest and that, you know, that urge to jump up and down and just really let yourself enjoy it. Let yourself celebrate your success and your wins. Little, big, all of them. And then learn when you're you know, analyzing what you see as the failure or the things that didn't go right, instead of letting yourself connect with those and feel all those really strong negative feelings, just look at it as feedback. It's perfectly normal. There's always going to be things to tweak, right? Even the greatest leader that there is, is going to, has had many failures, but is going to experience failure in the future. 
it's just something that happens that we learn from and we do better next time. And if you can learn to take that as just feedback, as just, okay, this happened, I'd like it to go different next time, what can I do to change that? Instead of something that's horrible and terrible and it's going to end in your demise and the loss of your job, you know, and your life and everything else. (laughs) Instead, normalize it, accept it, learn from it, and move on. And also, it's important to learn that the quality of your work is more important than the quantity, right? Busy does not mean productive. If you're going, 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 but you're not feeling like you're getting anywhere and you're feeling just burnt out and over it, it's important to look into yourself and ask, what is important to me in my life? You know, why am I working this hard? Right? If you're enjoying it and you just love the hustle, that's great. But if you're feeling pain and burnout and stress and like you just can't stop because people will see that you're an imposter or that you're not good enough, then those aren't really, you know, good motivations for doing all that work. And you really need to sit down and look at those thoughts and why you feel that way and ask yourself things like, you know, how would I benefit from more time resting, right? Or more time with my friends and family or doing things that I just enjoy, like hobbies. You know, not only would I benefit, how would my friends and family benefit? How would my work benefit? You know, if I was able to take some downtime and rest and recuperate. I know I heard this surgeon speaking one time and she did a very difficult type of surgery and she was one of the best surgeons um, in the country at doing that. And, you know, she was like, for me, self-care is life or death. Like I can't show up to surgery tired, preoccupied by a fight with family, you know, stressed out or anxious over something, I have to be well-rested, focused, and on point. And so, you know, here she is, very successful, very difficult job, and she's saying how important it is to take care of yourself, right, and to get the rest that you need and to take care of your mental health. So very important to remember that busy does not mean productive, and you don't have to be going, going, going all the time to have value or to add value. And also realize that, you know, part of the journey, part of the enjoyment of achievement is the struggle, right? We want to achieve certain things because they are challenging and they do take effort. And, you know, just see that struggle not as something has gone wrong here. I should be able to do this. It should be easier. Or, you know, I have to go at it, go at it, go at it until it's perfected because otherwise I'm a failure. Instead, see that struggle as growth, right? You're growing, you're learning something new, you're doing something different. It's something to look forward to and to enjoy, not to fear and be miserable the whole time. Mastering any skill, being a master of it, that takes a lifetime of learning, which includes failure. It includes not always getting it right. That's how we learn. That's how we perfect things and get better. So the struggle is part of the journey. It's, it's part of the challenge, and it's something to look forward to and be like, oh, yeah, I'm in it. I'm out there doing it. And I know that because I'm having a bit of a struggle here. And it's also important to remember that asking for help is not 
a sign of weakness. It's actually a sign of strength, right? Someone who is willing to learn, they have the ability to be taught. Those are things that we look for in people that, you know, people when they're hiring, they're like, oh, this person, you know, has the ability to be taught and they're willing to learn. That's what people look for. And it shows wisdom when you can look at another person and see their skills and see their expertise and then reach out to them for guidance in those areas where you want to grow. That absolutely shows strength and courage and wisdom. It's not a sign of weakness, right? We can learn from other people who've gone before us and benefit from their experience instead of trying to reinvent the wheel over here trying to figure things out that have been done and someone can help us with. And then we can bring our own unique insight too, right? And so then everybody grows and learns. But there's no weakness in asking for that help, you know, from a coach, from a friend, from a mentor, um, from someone that you work with. You can work together. You can share your skills and expertise with them and they can share with you. There doesn't have to be a comparison or a loss or are they better than me? Am I better than them? You can share, right? You can be both skilled and talented in different ways and come together and learn and both grow from that. And also just be willing to to show your human side. No one has all the answers. Even if you're in that position, no one expects you to have all the answers. What's important is that you can be trusted to get the answers, right? If someone asks you something that you don't know, turn it around to the whole team. Like, I haven't come across that in my research. Has anyone else, right? Because then what happens is either no one knows it, so that's okay, right? None of you know it. Or someone else knows it and they give the answer and you have obtained the answer for everyone, right? You didn't have to know it. You still got them the answer. And that works much better than being panicked and trying to learn all the things and know all the answers beforehand when you can't possibly do it. And so being afraid to present or to speak or to lead for that reason. So it's okay not to know all the answers. All you have to do is be able to get the answers, right? And if you opened it up and nobody knew the answer, then what you say is, hey, that was a really great question. I'm going to get back to you on that. And then you go get the answer. It's, it's win, win, win all the way around. So, you know, it's okay to be human. It's okay not to have all the answers. It doesn't mean that you're an imposter. So hopefully you've learned um, a lot from today. It was a very, I think, value-packed, information-packed episode. And if you'd like to take the work deeper and you really want to apply it to your life, you're like, hey, I'm struggling with imposter syndrome and I'm ready to step up, show up, and just, you know, do me (laughs) and grow and learn, you know, in my career and I want help with this then please reach out. I'd be more than happy to talk to you about being your coach and helping you apply this to your life and, you know, step up to that next level that you've been wanting to reach and have the confidence that you are doing it and you are not an imposter. I love you all and I hope that you have a fantastic day. Go out, show up, and know that you have value just as you are.